Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to speak this evening on ownership. We can put the first one up. And if you want to give it a title, it's Ownership Changes Everything. And when we get a sense of owning something, everything will change. So I just want to read a few scriptures, just a a few verses from Matthew 21. Just two verses this evening, and then I want to sort of unpack it a little bit and then see where we go. So Matthew 21, two verses, 12 and 13, it says this, that Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Yeah, right. You see, Jesus is very passionate about the house. Today, he's very passionate about his church. It's very passionate about you. You see, here in these two verses, we see two very different views on the house. We see, first of all, the the merchants or the money changers view. Their view, the house, is a place of, of getting. It's a place of profit. It's a place of financial gain. That's their view of the house. It's all about what can I get from this. But on the other hand, we see the Messiah's point of view. Jesus' point of view, it's not a place of profit, but it's a place of prayer. It's not a place of financial gain, but it's a place of spiritual gain. It's not a place of getting, but it's a place of giving. Two very different views on God's house. This evening, what I want you to think about, how do you see God's house? How do you see the church? How do you see the building? How do you see the leadership? Pastor Danny's not here tonight, so we're okay. How do you see the activities? How do you see the vision? 
How do you see each other? Here we see two different views of God's house. How do you see it? You see, I've come to realize that there are three very different types of people that live in houses today. First of all, we have, and we can put it up, first of all, we have the squatter. Squatter will live in a house. But usually for the squatter, it's about what can I get from this property? Yes? They will take possession of a property, and it's all about what can I squeeze out of this? And usually, squatters, usually, they'll go into a property, and they will leave it in a worse state than when they found it. Yes? They will bleed it dry. They will destroy it, and then they will move on. I've come across very few squatters who have gone into a property and they put a new kitchen in. Or they've decorated. Or they put some double glazing in and landscaped the garden. It doesn't happen. Because the view of the squatter in the house, what is in it for me? What can I get out of this property? And they will go in finding it a certain way and they will leave it in a worse state than when they found it. Another type of person that lives in a property today will be the renter. And usually you find renters, if they rent a property, they will do just enough. They like to leave the property in a few years exactly how they found it. They won't put a lot of money into it because it's not theirs. But they'll mow the lawn. They might do a little bit of decorating. But they'll just keep it as they find it. They maintain the status quo. And then the third type of person that lives in a property today is the owner. How does an owner see the property? An owner of a property will invest into that property. They'll put money and time and energy into making that property better. They'll find it a certain way, and over the months and over the years, they will enhance it. They will make it better than when they found it. Squatter, renter, owner. Over the years, I found in church life, in God's house, those three different types of person. Are you enjoying this so far? Okay. 
In church life, there can be the squatter. Not in this church. So I want to be invited back. But they are in churches. And they will go into church life and it's all about them. It's all about what can I get out of church? And how can I bleed it dry? And they go in and they take and they take and they take. And actually, they destroy, they destroy, they destroy. Why? Because it's all about them. And they will usually leave the church in a worse state than when they found it. They're getters. All about them. There's also people in church life today that are renters. They have a renter mentality. They will do just enough. So they'll come on a a Sunday and they'll put something in the tithe. They'll come and they'll lift their hands in worship, and they'll do just enough. Don't cause any problems. They'll come just enough. And you say, can you come on Tuesday night for a special meeting? Well, I've actually already been to church this week. Can you give a little bit more to this special offering? I've already given my money this week. They do just enough. You know, I believe that God is looking for people who will be owners. People with an owner mentality. That actually, it's not what I can get, but it's what I can give. They come into church and they're a breath of fresh air. Have you ever met people like that? I'm sure you have lots here. And they're doing stuff for the church. And they're doing stuff for you. And they'll go the extra mile. They'll, they'll make the house better than when they found it. Nothing's too much trouble. They get to all the meetings that they can. And they give and sacrificially. And there's a job that needs doing. Brother so-and-so will do it. Met people like that. Aren't they great to be around? Why? Because they have an owner mentality. It's not, what can I get from this? It's not, shall I just do enough? It's, what can I give? What can I give to God's house? You see, when you own something, everything changes. See, if I rented a car for the weekend, rented a van actually a, a few weeks ago, to move some furniture. If I rent a van or I rent a car, will I be out there every day cleaning it and polishing it? I might, because I do have OCD. (laughs) Or it's CDO, actually, because all the letters have to be in the right alphabetical. (laughs) I have to think about that one. 
But will I be out there, you know, making sure all the oil is topped up and making sure the windows are clean and vacuumed out every single day? I've only got it for the weekend. Will I be doing that? No. Not really. I will just hand it back in the way that I have found it. Because I'm renting. But if I own a car, will I go out and clean it now and again? Yes. Because if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? Yes? Will I check the oil now and again? Yes, I will. And the tires. And I'll vacuum it. Because ownership changes everything. When we have an ownership mentality, everything changes. Everything gets better. You see, when you own something, you care about it. And when you care about something, you will defend it. If I own a car, I'll probably defend it. If I rent it, probably not. When you own something, you care about it. When you care about something, you will defend it. Story told of a man called Shammah, of David's mighty men in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And it says that Shammah, on one occasion, he stood in the middle of his lentil field. Who likes lentils? He stood in the middle of his lentil field and the Philistines came, but he stood his ground and he fought off the enemy. The rest of the Israelites, they were gone. They ran away, the Bible says, but Shammah, on his own, he stood in the middle of his field and he fought off the enemy. Let me just say, there are some times where we need to stand in the middle of our field and we need to defend it from the enemy. Because the enemy has no good plan. Sometimes we need to stand in the middle of our church and we need to defend it. We need to chase off the enemy sometimes. Sometimes you need to stand in the middle of your marriage and you need to defend it. Because the enemy has no good plans for your marriage and your relationship and your work situation and your finances. We need to stand in the middle of our lentil field, whatever that might be, and we need to take a stand. And we're told that he stood in the middle and he chased off the Philistines. Why? Because he owned the field. You see, when you own something, you care about it. And when you care about something, you will defend it. Let me ask you, was his, was his field perfect? Probably not. His lentil field, it probably had some weeds. It probably had a few rocks. Probably had a few bumps. It wasn't probably smooth. We don't quite know, but I get the impression it wasn't a perfect field, but he defended it because it was his. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer this. Actually, please do not answer it out loud. Is this church perfect? 
know how to answer that. Is the vision perfect? Are the leaders perfect? The activities perfect? Probably not. But it's yours. And if you don't defend it, who's going to? Is this church perfect? This is not a prophetic word now, but let me say, no, it's not. Why? Because you're in it. (laughs) It isn't perfect. But it's yours. Remember a few months ago, picking up a pastor... From Singapore, he was coming to Mattersea to do some teaching for us. And uh, picked him up from the airport early one morning, and we obviously got chatting in the car. What else are you going to do for two hours? And um, he was telling me, a very humble guy, but he was telling me how he had, at that stage, about 8,000 in the church. And... um, Every year they, they take up an offering and usually collect about $7 million just for mission. That's just for mission. The upkeep of the building or anything like that, salaries, just for mission, they give $7 million a year. I then got very interested. What a building they've got. Sound system. Multimedia system. One million dollars. Eight thousand in the church. One thousand in the youth group. Who's the youth leaders here? One thousand in the youth group. Fast growing. And I said to him, you must have a perfect church. He said to me, actually, we've got 8,000 problems. (laughs) His field wasn't perfect. There are a few weeds, there are a few bumps, there are a few rocks. But it was his. And he defended it. He didn't let the enemy take the harvest. With all respect, this church is not perfect, but it's yours. Remember, John F. Kennedy once said, it's not what the country can do for you, but it's what you can do for the country. And in a real sense, it's not what the church can do for you, even though we all do things. but it's what you can do for the church. It's not just getting, but it's giving. And the wonderful thing is as we give to the church, I don't just mean financially now, but as we give, actually, we do start getting. We don't give to get. We give because it's the right thing to do. 
we give our time and our effort and our energy and our finance because it's just the right thing to do. And sometimes you've just got to do what's right. But as we do that, as we start to invest what we have, it starts coming back to us. It's not just what the church can do for you, it's what you can do for the church. And sad to say, I do travel around a little bit now. And I think if we're not careful what's setting into the church of Jesus Christ, certainly in the West, is a consumer mentality. Not here, but other churches. A consumer mentality. They shop around. And the church is on show. Does the church meet all my needs? No. Then I'll look for another church. And that church doesn't meet their needs, they'll look for another church. Guess what? They'll just keep on looking. Because there is no such thing as a perfect church. We do that in society. We shop around, and we should shop around for the best deals, but we can't do that with church. It's not about how can the church impress me, what can the church do for me. It's got to be the other way round. So I want to ask you, every single one of you in your heart, are you a squatter? Are you a renter? Or are you an owner? I trust that this church will become a church of owners. People that start to see the church in a different way. People that start to see needs. And I'm sure you do this already. But you see the need and you don't have to be asked. But you just do it. When no one's watching, you're just going to do it. Why? Because you own it. And if you don't do it, who is? An ownership mentality, because when that happens, we'll start to see the church as Jesus sees it. We'll start to love the church as Jesus loves the church. Do you know that Jesus is passionate about his church? He's serious about his bride. He laid down his life for his bride. He is passionate about his church. In fact, you can't really separate Jesus from his church. The two are intertwined. Remember Paul on the Damascus Road, a blinding light, a voice from heaven. Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? As far as I could read, Paul didn't persecute Jesus, he persecuted the church. You see, to Jesus, to persecute the church is to persecute him. Persecute him is to persecute the church. He is the head of his church. Are we passionate about what Jesus is passionate about? You see, if you go looking for problems, 
before long you'll find them. Don't you? Because they're there. But let's have a, an attitude of seeing the good, not always the bad and the ugly. So what does it mean? Well, I think it means this, and if I could be frank with you, if we want to see the church grow, and does anybody want to see the church grow? We want to see the church grow in quality and quantity, and we need both. It'll happen when we have a sense of ownership. When we start to see it in a different way, it's what I can give, not what I can get, or doing just enough. Everything starts to move up a level. And when you all start doing that, you start to go up several levels. Everything begins to change. When we have an ownership mentality. So what does it mean there's a bit of litter on the floor and it's interesting, before the meeting, some of you were tempted to go and pick it up. You were tempted to pick it up. Well done. Well, there's a bit of litter on the floor. Who's going to pick it up? Don't we employ people to do that sort of thing? You probably do. Housekeeping or whatever. That's up to the cleaner to pick it up. Who's going to pick it up? The squatter won't pick it up. Because they're not getting anything out of it. The renter won't pick it up because they've already picked up a piece of paper this month. <laughs> they've done their quota. They've done their bit. You can't overdo these things. Just enough. Who's going to pick up the piece of paper? The owner the owner will pick up a piece of paper. Pastor Danny calls a special meeting. Wednesday night, we're going to have a special prayer meeting. Special outreach meeting. Who's going to come? Who's going to turn up to the meeting? The squatter won't. Because they'll ask, what can I get out of it? Hmm, prayer meeting. Outreach. wonder what I can get out of that. The renter probably won't. Because they've already attended a meeting that week. And again, you can't overdo these things. Just enough. Calling a special meeting. Who's going to go? The owner will turn up. Raising money for a special project. Overseas, something's happened and we need to raise money. Who's going to give? The squatter won't give. It's all about get, getting. The renter probably won't give because they've already given 
Who's going to give? The owner. There's jobs that need to be done in the church. There will always be jobs to be done in the church. I don't know what this church is like. But I liken often church to an aeroplane. What do you see on an aeroplane? Well, you see about 200 people sat down enjoying the journey. And then you see about five cabin crew rushing around doing everything. Yes? Fetching coffee and fetching a blanket and you know, dealing with that sick person and, and whatever. And at the end of the trip, the eight hours, you know, you're, you're fairly rough. You've had a sleep and watched a film. But the cabin crew, thank you for flying with us. They just want to get to their bed. They're tired out. Sometimes church can be a little bit like that. 200 people enjoying the journey. Being served while a very small percentage are rushing around (laughs) doing everything. It should never be that way. And when we all get this revelation that we're all owners, if not us, who? If not now, when? When we get that revelation, everything will change. Ownership will change everything. So this evening, what's your view of the house? What's your view of of God's house? What's your view of the Christian life? I trust that nobody here is a squatter. You know, it's all about them. Trust that no one here will be a renter. You're just doing enough. You're just getting through. I trust that God will make every single one of you an owner. Because when we have a sense of ownership, everything will start to change. That everyone's rushing to the front to pick up pieces of paper and serving one another. If we can all do that, Wouldn't it be a great place to be? Because as we actually give, God will give to us. And that's my prayer for you. Be an owner. Be an owner, a steward of what God has given you. No, it's not perfect. But it's yours. It's what God has entrusted to you.